Revelation chapter uh, 21, beginning with verse 1. I hear the word of God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said... Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And we skip ahead to verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. We'll skip ahead to 22, but it goes ahead and, and describes more the beauty uh, of that city, which is God's people, uh, his bride. 22 and verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the land through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Skipping down to 17 and then 20. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take of the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.
beautiful uh, picture uh, to us of Christ making all things new and what all things are heading toward. Uh, This is sometimes described as the the consummation, the consummation of all things uh, when Christ returns. Um, Hopefully this has been a a fun topic to you and a helpful uh, topic uh, to you as we've gone through this, right? You've, You've learned about sex, you've learned about Jesus, you've learned that those two go together. Um, hopefully it also leaves you uh, longing for more, not just sex, but longing for, for Jesus, realizing that that's what all these things are, are pointing toward. And so tonight we're looking at a uh, topic for tonight is consummation um, as, the, as the climax of the series that we've been looking for, looking at. Um, now I've got to tell you, the first time that I heard the word consummation, um, I was uh, like probably in middle school or something, and there was some old movie on TV. I think it was an Elvis movie. Um, and it, t- it traced these like, uh, I think there was these three different couples. They were in Vegas or something. I don't know. Um, but what I remember was there was this, uh, this one couple, and they, got, uh, they both got drunk and got married. And then after they got married, they both passed out and woke up the next day, and they're like, we're married, <laughs> what do we do? But they were able to get the marriage annulled because it hadn't been consummated yet. Right? Um, and so as like a middle schooler trying to figure these things out, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so this word consummated has something to do with that sexual side of the relationship there. I get it, I get it. Um, the, the next time, or at least the next significant time that I remember hearing the word consummation was in a youth group Bible study uh, talking about Revelation um, and the consummation of Christ bringing all things together. And I was like, I was like chuckling, going like, what? How does this, how does this work? All right. So, so in my mind, uh, these, these two different uses of that phrase have always come together. Um, I hope you'll be able to see some of the ways that these uh, two uh, go together in the same way that sex and Jesus scripture, uh, scripture puts together. Listen, what you're, what you're longing for uh, is, is consummation. Uh, long, and longing for it is, is good uh, because it will happen. Uh, and it will be more than you hope for, as the way scripture speaks about it. Making a few assumptions as we go through uh, go through this passage tonight, um, and I'll just let you know what they are. We have different longings. Uh, one of our longings, I think, I think all of us have a longing for sex. Uh, the part of the part of how God's made us is as sexual beings as well, much more uh, to us. But there's there's a desire for sexual uh, satisfaction. Passages relating to that as it speaks to some of this. Uh, we also, th- I think, we all have a longing for God. Some people disagree with me about that. That's, I, I can understand that. Um, but, I, but I think God has designed us and made us uh, for relationship with him. Um, and so C.S. Lewis describes it as a, as a God-shaped void uh, that's within us. And we can try to find all kind of different things that we want to grab and we want to put uh, uh, and, and try to make that, make that suit our life, make that fulfill us. Uh, we're designed for relationship with God. And we have a longing uh, to relate to someone who's above us and beyond us, uh, but comes to us and, and gives, uh, provides for us and shows us uh, his love. Uh, we have a longing for religious uh, satisfaction. And I think all of us also have a longing, simply put, just a, a longing for more. 
doesn't maybe maybe your life is good maybe it's going a lot of the ways that you want it to but it doesn't take very much to look around and say things aren't the way that we want them to be I'm not the way that I want to be how the world around me in the way that we, we want it to be we have a longing for full satisfaction. It's a longing for consummation. Uh, there, there's this inner longing that we have for everything to be better. Um, e- even we have a longing for everything to be perfect. We, even like we're, we're still disappointed when it's not all perfect. And we, know, we think, oh, we shouldn't really be that idealistic. But we have this longing of this isn't right and it should be, it should be a better way. We have these, we have these longings. And with, with these longing comes a fear. That, that longing for, for satisfaction maybe is just a dream that will never be reality. Maybe it's a hope uh, that will never be reached. It will never find fulfillment. What is it that you're longing for? What is it that you're longing for in your life? Deep things that sit uh, that you're searching for. How are you going to be satisfied? Uh, what will do it? What will find that fulfillment? Look at three sides of the passage as we go through. Uh, and the first is this, longing for sexual fulfillment. And, and particularly this passage is saying that longing for sexual uh, fulfillment will be satisfied. Um, now as we move into the passage, I want you to keep in view uh, sexual consummation, but with this understanding that we've already looked at this semester of how Scripture speaks to us about sex. Um, because sex in Scripture is the closest physical foretaste that we have of the pleasures of eternity, uh, the pleasures, the pleasures of heaven and eternity of God's promises. Um, and the way we looked, uh, I think the second or third week in the semester, you can flip over to Ephesians 5 if you want. Uh, he quotes uh, from Genesis that the two shall become one flesh, speaking about uh, marriage and the sexual relationship within marriage. And then he says right after that, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. It's what Scripture says, what Paul says in Ephesians 5.32. This mystery is profound and it refers to Christ and the church. So this, this sexual uh, longing even is, is everything in it, what it is, is actually pointing to something beyond it. It has its own focus, but it also, uh, it's also a, uh, a type, a foretaste, a pointing uh, beyond it to the mystery of, of God's relationship to his people, uh, of Christ and his bride, the church, and the depth and the closeness and intimacy of their union, of their oneness with one another. I mean, you can't read through these last couple chapters in Revelation and not hear all these echoes from the first couple chapters of Genesis. Uh, right, a new heaven and a new earth, and beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And you hear all these different echoes, the tree of life again, all these different things. And so likewise, as it talks about uh, marriage, uh, Adam and Eve, and this two shall be joined uh, as one. Here it's picking that up, and you see the marriage relationship being fulfilled uh, as the bride come down, comes down for heaven uh, to, with Christ. Um, <clears throat> So I want us to look at sexual longing and satisfaction as a picture of that greater reality, right? Uh, not, not just on the, on the physical level, but look at sexual longing and satisfaction as a picture of that greater reality that's going to be satisfied. 
that's where the, the hope is in the passage. All right, because sexual longing is something that all of you are familiar with. Um, I remember uh, as a student uh, walking with a uh, friend, most likely in the springtime, across uh, Landis Green. We're having a conversation just about whatever was going on, and uh, we're probably around halfway across the green, and he's talking, and then like mid-sentence, he just stops talking. <laughs> and I look over at him, and, uh, and it's pretty much until we get to the other side of the green, and all of a sudden his mind is back with it, and he's able to uh, finish his train of thought and go on. Uh, right, we have with sexual desire, sexual uh, longing uh, that, that even creates this focused desire where other things begin to move out of the picture because this is the thing that we're concerned with. Uh, it can start to control everything where this anticipation starts to build. This interest uh, that moves into uh, longing uh, and it moves into uh, anticipation where we start like reading into things, uh, Right? Uh, hoping for different signs of fulfillment. Uh, we can be reading into things like when you're not even in a relationship yet, and you're like, but I mean, they, they walk that way where I saw them last week, and so they, I, I think they walk that way because they were trying to see me again, and I'll see if tomorrow they walk that way, and there's, I think there might be something there, right? Um, like, I mean, we can, even when there's not, we start to read into these things. There's this, this longing, this anticipation. Um, or with relationships that we're in, Starting you know, checking assurances of love, how things are going, some kind of sign of is the relationship all right? Where where's it inclined? What's the direction of it? Um, uh, guys and girls, I think we all have we've got this longing. Or put it this way, uh, you're watching a romantic comedy. You've watched the the guy and the girl, and they've met, and things didn't work out, but now they're like they're they're starting to connect again. And, and you can tell that he's right for her and she's right for him. And now it's that moment in the movie where he's leaning in for the kiss. And then, like, if someone pauses the movie right there, if, like, the power goes out, you're, like, frustrated. Like, what, what are you doing, right? Because um, there's, there's this anticipation. We want to we see it. I uh, want to see it uh, continue. Um, anticipating the fulfillment of, of every desire because we are familiar with this sexual uh, longing. The passage is saying that longing is pointing to something greater. Um, all right, but not just sexual longing because this passage has given us hope of, of sexual satisfaction um, or what it, what it points to. It's a bit more difficult to describe, so I'm not going to try. Um, but in a word, we're talking about uh, talking about orgasm, or in a word that you can all relate to, describing euphoria, uh, right? In other sides of life, you know how wonderful it is to experience satisfaction uh, when your plan works out exactly the way that you uh, wanted it uh, to go, right? Uh, I love it when a plan comes together. Um, uh, and there's, there's, like, when you've worked hard on a, uh, on a paper, on a test, stayed up, you did your research, put everything into it, and you get it back, and it's got, like, the 100 across the top. And you feel good. You're like, yes, satisfaction. I put the effort in. It came back. All my, all my hopes, here it is. All right, or uh, birthday presents, maybe, or, or like Christmas is coming up. So, uh, you know, Christmas present, you've got that something that you're, like, that would be a really great present. You don't feel like you can 
like ask for it or you know what might happen. And then if you're not expecting it, you're opening up this this present. And it's like the thing that you've been hoping that you would get. There's this like satisfaction, this longing, this excitement uh, with us, this rare uh, but wonderful, exciting, uh, fulfilling, relieving, uh, satisfying sensation. And here, as we're speaking of sexual longing, it's the emotional as well as the physical as well as the relational experience of satisfaction of love, of loving and being loved and mutuality. A moment where everything is right and wonderful and euphoric and perfect, like exactly. Uh, a culmination of so many desires being met uh, just right, a completeness, perfection, consummation. And this is a foretaste of heavenly glory. And that heavenly glory is being described for you here in the passage. It's being described for you as trustworthy and true of what God is bringing about for his people, for all those who hope in Christ. Um, So we have the same deep longing and anticipation for Christ's return. Because that's where the hope of satisfaction lies. In the consummation. Second longing. Longing for a fullness of relationship satisfied. Longing for fullness of relationship that will be satisfied. And the passage here, that's in terms of uh, a religious relationship with God. Because beyond what any, uh, beyond the sense that any human relationship is, uh, is satisfying or fulfilling. And God's made us for a relationship with one another in community. Uh, but more than that, and beyond that, and more deeply, uh, he's made us for a relationship with himself. It's the greatest aspect of relationship that we long for. Is that religious aspect. God designed us for communion with himself. Uh, you see that in the, in the garden with Adam and Eve. He's, he's speaking to them. He's there with them. They're used to him walking with them in the cool of the day. Um, there's all kind of different views about relationship with God, right? You can, essentially, you can go through different religions uh, based on how they view uh, relationship with God. A religion is a view of how we can have a relationship with God. Uh, so atheist is saying that there, there isn't a God for us to have any relationship with. Uh, or agnostic is saying there may be a God, there may not be, but we, we don't know that God. We can't know God. We can't have any relationship with him, even if he does exist. And most every religion will say, if, if we follow the right path, uh, we can arrive at some sort of relationship with God. Uh, we, can, we can achieve that relationship uh, if we're good enough. Maybe that's following a certain uh, moral code and standard. Uh, maybe it's renouncing some things and going after a strict pattern of life and behavior. Uh, maybe it's just not breaking enough, uh, enough of the big rules, or maybe it's in terms of enlightenment, uh, arriving at, at this heightened uh, state, where one way or another, through something that we do, we, uh, the, the experience, we get to experience this oneness with the divine uh, through what we've done, this consummation. Christianity takes all those things and, and, and gives a, a different way of it, um, that God made us for relationship with him, Uh, But we mess it all up, and it is restored only by Christ himself. 
uh, that the right relationship with God is actually given to us. Not from anything that we would do or achieve, uh, out of God's love and his mercy, he restores us into relationship with him. At the cost of Christ's blood, um, his sacrifice for us, because our sin put us, uh, put us in rebellion against God, and enmity with him, there's consequences for that. But Jesus steps in and says, all that, all that broke the relationship, place on me. Uh, and he was condemned on the cross. All right, he was, he was rejected. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what we're afraid of religiously, is that rejection. But he was rejected for us in order to restore us to relationship with God. As he is raised and seated with the Father, Scripture says, so we're even seated with him. We're able to come into the presence of God through the blood of Christ. He's, he's made atonement. He's brought us into a relationship of unity and oneness with him. We have this longing for real and complete a fellowship with God. And the passage is describing the coming reality of that. To experience in part now. Uh, but this passage that we were reading describes when that happens uh, in full. Right? When that, when that God-shaped uh, void is filled. And filled uh, to perfection. To wonderfully satisfying, euphoric uh, perfection of being loved by God and knowing Him and being known uh, by Him. Uh, Revelation 19, uh, part of it describes it as the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's this crowd of, uh, in, in, uh, in the throne room saying, Hallelujah, the Lord God Almighty, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Uh, and here it describes that this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be uh, his people. Uh, Jesus described in Revelation as this lamb who is, who is slain for us, a sacrifice for us. Uh, but now the bride uh, is coming uh, as, the, as the bride of the lamb. This is what all of history has been pointing to this marriage, uh, this union. Uh, This wedding of this relationship, this religious relationship where God's people get to be united to him in perfect intimacy and perfect love and completeness. Uh, In uh, verses uh, 3 there in particular, it echoes these words of the covenant. All the way back, uh, God has has made his covenant promise, his his vow uh, that he will... Uh, that he will be in relationship with his people. I will be your God and you will be my people. He says again and again to the patriarchs and, and traces it through scripture. And here you have and you're told, behold, it's complete. It's, it, it's, it's here, it's in reality. God uh, with man uh, in intimacy. Because this is what we're afraid could never be true. We're afraid that we'd be rejected. Um... Afraid that we would do rejecting, that we would that we would push off things because we still want our own way. We have our our shame or our guilt or our proofs of how well that we've done that we know don't hold water, and we're afraid it won't job. We're afraid the relationship won't be there. Um, but here what you're told is there's a union of God with his people. Uh, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death is no more. Death was the condemnation, the penalty uh, for sin, its consequences. It's wiped away. 
There's not any away from God. Everything is with God. He is healing every hurt, uh, every wrong. There's no pain or sorrow anymore because God is with us as the one who has given all for us, as the one who fully knows and fully loves us. One of the interesting things is you read the passage, you know, in the first verse, there's no sea. Read along a little bit later, um, down in verse 22, there's no temple uh, in the city. And then later, uh, in 21, but also 22, there's no, uh, there's no night there, right? There's, there's no sea because there's no uh, chaotic or dangerous place where something bad might end up happening to us, is the way it's often looked at in Scripture. There's no temple. Why is there no temple? Um, because God is everywhere with his people. Because the temple is a sign of God's special presence, and now it is, it is the universe. It is everywhere with God that we are here with Him. Same thing for why there's no night. There's not just some time when there's light. Uh, there's never any darkness, never any night, because God Himself is the light. And there's no place where His brightness doesn't shine, and it's glory. There's no place that we're not beholding and enjoying uh, experiencing His glory. That's what we long for, our deepest within our souls. This passage is telling you that it's coming. That in Christ, you have a place there. Um, that, that as we look to him, he has assured it. He's given the entrance. It's not that we achieve something. Uh, yes, all kind of things we've done throw us out from it, except that Christ stands on our place. As we come through him, this perfect fullness of relationship uh, is given. And this relationship leads to life. A fullness of life, the way Scripture describes it. Uh, so we come to our third uh, longing. A uh, longing for, for fullness of life uh, that's, that's satisfied. One of the major images in this passage is that of, of life. I mean, what does it feel like for you to, to really live? Right? When you're like, ah, oh, this is the life. This is, this is really living. Uh, right for me, if I can get up, if I can get up in the mountains, like in the rivers, uh, in the mountains, just the outdoors, it's really living. Uh, whether that's just camping, or if I can just sit there and soak it all in, listen to it, uh, run through it, um, love it. Just energizes me. Right? Um, never been skydiving, but maybe skydiving would be like really that thrill, that exhilaration. Right? How enjoyment of it. Um, in some ways, like getting uh, getting to work. I love the job that I have. Uh, and getting to see the, the fruit of, of God's working uh, in your life, and my life, um, is living. So there's joy in that. Uh, loving and, and being loved uh, by Karen, the relationship that we get to have, uh, sharing our life together, um, looking forward to all the different things, the late conversations, the thing that wears out, and it's, and it's shared and it's together. Um, watching our children grow and develop and see who they become. Um, and like, this is, this is living. Uh, what is it for you that's, that's really living life for the full, that you long for, that you look to? Uh, scripture says more than all those things, life is relationship with God. Um, 
Jesus in, in uh, John 17, uh, on the night before he was betrayed, this high priestly prayer, sometimes described, uh, says in John 17, 3, he says, this is, this is life, this is eternal life, abundant life that continues. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Right apart from God is, is death. Life and the fullness of life and its abundance, even described as eternal life, is knowing God. It's relationship with Him. And because our imagination isn't good to just sit with that uh, image and, and see how that's wonderful, it brings out to us in this passage these different images of what that, uh, what that life uh, looks like. It gives uh, this image of the river of life and the tree of life, um, this beautiful garden city where God is everywhere and we are uh, with him. And, and the river of life is flowing uh, from the throne of God down all the way through in the middle of the streets of the city. Uh, there is life flowing as a river that shines like crystal uh, for all to experience and be around everywhere that we are. Um, that's, that's beautiful. I um, don't know if this will fit with you. I think of, uh, uh, like, sci-fi movies and Tron. Uh, Tron's awesome. So there's a scene in Tron, uh, new and old one, I don't even remember. But I remember the scene from the old one where they're going through and they're, like, losing energy. And they, like, need, they're depleted. And they need to find the energy source. Um, but the energy source is this glowing river, right? And they can, like, dip their frisbee disc things, you know, in there, and then drink the, uh, the energy, and then let like, come alive again, right? They're, they're, all their energy is, is back up. Um, but there's this kind of sense, there's a river that's a river of life, uh, just flowing through the streets of the city like crystal for us to come and drink of and be renewed and refreshed and be uh, filled and satisfied with. It flows from the throne of God, the relationship to Him that we get to enjoy it. And then on each side of this, uh, of this river, as it flows through, is the tree of life. Remember the tree of life? Two trees that we're told about, uh, told about back in, uh, in Genesis. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the other in the middle of the garden was the tree of life. Uh, taking uh, of its fruits, is participating in and enjoying fullness of life for eternity. Uh, and here it is with fruit and all its fullness, bearing that fruit every month. Come by and enjoy. Its leaves are for the healing. It's got this healing uh, sense of it uh, for us as we get to freely uh, share in it. It's just giving you some pictures, some images to say, this is the picture of life the way that we, the way that we wish it was. It's the picture of life the way that it will be. Uh, the way that God will make it. Because he says, behold, I'm making all things new. This is the way he's making it. We have a longing. We have deep longings for these things. Our longing ultimately is a longing uh, for Jesus. Uh, and it's a longing that he satisfies as he comes uh, for us, unites us to himself. With these longings, always we wonder, is it real? Can it happen? It's just encouraging stories. Maybe it's just a dream. Scripture speaks to us uh, with that doubt, assurances within it. You can listen to, uh, to a few of them. 
back in chapter 19, uh, speaking of this marriage supper of the Lamb, the angel said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then he said to me, these are the true words of God. Because we need, really, I get to go? Are you sure? These are the true words of God. You're invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 5 of chapter 21. He said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Really? And write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Again, in verse 6 of chapter 22. He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits, has sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. They're written for us to, to anticipate, uh, to long, to help us uh, build that anticipation and continue uh, to long for it, to hope and to be assured, to strike our imagination. Uh, beyond just the things that we experience of what it is that God has created us for and what it is that he is doing and what it is that he is drawing us into in his plan of all of history and redemption that goes on for all of eternity. Uh, And his promise to us is that it is for us as we come to him in Christ. Our greatest longing is a longing for Jesus can see it here at the end of the passage. Uh, we know him in part now, but what we anticipate is the fullness of it. And he promises that he's coming. Let's just close with this from the end of that passage. So you hear his words. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears says, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires a take of the water of life without price. And he who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.